I'm Lindsay Claiborne. And I'm Mumu Shu, and you are listening to Beyond the Microscope. Hi, everyone. We're back for another episode. Today, our guest is Sally French. She is the creator of The Drone Girl, and she is, in fact, The Drone Girl. Sally, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to start with um, the obvious question. Why are you the drone girl and how did you become the drone girl? Yes, I became the drone girl. It was sort of a self-name, but uh, what the drone girl has turned into has been been years of work and, and not what I expected four years ago. So uh, the drone girl is a blog all about drones. So we feature drone news, interviews with people in drones, drone reviews. Um, I do speaking and training. And it all started back in 2013. I was a journalism student at the University of Missouri. I was studying photojournalism, and I needed one credit to graduate. And my college was offering what was called a drone journalism class. And in 2013, I had no idea what a drone was. This is before, uh, you know, DJI phantoms were flying around the beach. But it was basically the only thing that fit into my schedule. So I said, sure, I'll take it. And uh, we studied the laws and the ethics and how to fly them and how to build them, everything to do with drones. Um, And we actually did a couple of news reports involving a drone. And after the class ended, I graduated from college. I got my credit and I decided I would get my own drone and just kind of blog about it. And it really just started as a way to post my videos and nothing more but there was nothing online about drones at the time so it sort of evolved into this this bigger site and and sort of uh this social media personality uh, all about drones did you have um i mean obviously the journalism experience and and we can you and i could go off the deep end about that kind of stuff but did you have sort of an engineering or technical or flying background before that or was it sort of like well, this is cool. <laughs> Let's see what that is. <laughs> Journalism, you and I can chat forever. But if you had asked me four years ago to talk about engineering, I would have been totally lost. So I wish that I had gotten into computer science or engineering in hindsight. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, at the time, no, not at all. Uh, like I said, I had no idea what a drone even was. It sounded like something in Star Wars. And that was pretty much it. And I didn't realize it was a little five pound flying robot that you could attach a camera to. So what did you originally fly or learn to fly? Like what got you interested? Yeah, so we started flying before these out of the box drones were a thing. And so we flew, it was a DJI flame wheel, which is a kit drone. And it doesn't have any type of altitude lock or return to home features. And so I have to say this thing was very traumatizing to fly. Um, (laughs) I'm surprised it didn't go worse than it did in many situations. um, Because now drones seem so much easier to fly than what we did. Um, I would never recommend anyone get a flame wheel now unless they genuinely just want to build it because it's so hard to fly. What do you think about, I mean, you said 2014 is when you started doing this. I, I the the changes just from the out, the out of the box drones to how it's being used in journalism are so drastic in the past three years. How do you sort of keep on top of that? And do you think we're going in the right direction? Yeah, I mean, everything changes so quickly. And in some ways, I'm like, I can't believe I've been doing this for three or four years. And in 
other ways, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been a lifetime. The evolution of drones coming from when I started, you couldn't buy anything out of the box to, you know, I just reviewed a drone this weekend that was $100, has altitude lock, shoots HD videos, and anyone can get a drone on Amazon. Uh, I broke a battery and had to run to Best Buy, and they have drones. And you, they're so easy to get, which is which is really really awesome in a lot of ways because they're being used for journalism or for tons of use cases. Whether you're, um, you know, a scientist who studies animals and wants to to track their traffic movements with a drone, or uh, you know, you're a firefighter and wants to look at where the fire is heading. Um, anyone in any career can use a drone, um, but it is also definitely tricky because they are so available and they are so cheap that anyone can do just about anything with it and that means people can be really irresponsible with them too, which is the challenge, especially in these past couple of years as drones get cheaper. So you mentioned that you blog a lot about, uh, sort of review a lot of drones that are coming out. Do you do anything else on the blog as well, sort of write about other topics? Yeah, so um, so news and reviews and something really important to me is that tons of media coverage and even just going to conferences is they always interview men or have men keynote speakers and there are so many talented women in the drone industry who are just so often overlooked and so I try to do on a regular basis Q&As with women as well as just make it a priority to say you know, I'm writing about a new law, um, I need a legal expert to give their commentary, um, I'm going to make an effort to contact a woman because it's important that we have that diversity of voices and, and show that, you know, women are doing this. And I feel like a lot of the reason why I didn't study tech in high school and college, I was just not that into it because I didn't really feel like I had any female role models Versus I looked at, you know, journalists and I saw, you know, Ann Curry or Katie Couric and these people on TV and they looked like me and they acted like me. So I thought, okay, I'll be a journalist. And I never thought, you know, I could be a scientist or a mathematician. So I, I really hope that my blog will inspire other young women to see see someone like their future selves on my blog and, and be inspired to pursue STEM. So I want to go back to something you touched on, which is you said it's really easy for everyone to get these things, which there's no question about that. But then there's a lot of people who probably shouldn't be flying <laughs> or need some training. Where's your what's your threshold? What's your cutoff? I mean, um, I, I know it's a hard question, but like what's an appropriate amount of training or appropriate amount of like care or caution before people should really just fly these things around? Yeah, that's a good question. Oh, my gosh. Days of training. But, well, you know, it's interesting because – uh, to fly a drone is easy or difficult depending on your background. And so I've seen eight-year-olds who have so much video game experience and they pick up the drone right away and are just automatically pros and flying backwards and side to side and they've got it. And then on the other hand, you have people who are, you know, FAA trained manned airline pilots and they know the skies so well, but they don't necessarily have the skills to actually fly the drone well. Um, and so it's sort of interesting. You need to be able to control it and have that knowledge. And what is that balance? So the nice thing is that drones are really easy to fly. 
now. Uh, the drones keep getting easier and easier. They have features like return to home. So if you get stuck, you basically just press a button and the drone uh, has marked its GPS coordinate of where it started and it'll just fly back to where it started. Um, drones have obstacle avoidance sensors uh, so they can basically just uh, see a tree and instead of fly right into it they can actually detect it fly stop and then fly to the side of it and fly around it so flying's becoming easier but then there's like this level of education of knowing where you can and can't fly um, so most people don't know you cannot fly within five miles of an airport um, even people who do know that don't often realize how far five miles really is. Um, you cannot fly in Manhattan Beach if you live in, uh, if, if you're flying on Manhattan Beach, you, you can't because you're so close to LAX, which is sort of crazy because Manhattan Beach is a beautiful place that seems great to fly a drone. So educating people on where you can and can't fly is is also really challenging, and so it's I, I can't say there's like a set amount of hours that you need to, to learn it because it's really dif different for everyone. I had uh, some pretty uh, difficult <laughs> times flying. One of, my, one of my students is very good, and so he, he decided to teach me one summer, uh, and I could not keep this thing in the air. Well, it was a fixed wing, so it wasn't necessary. Oh, fixed wings yet. are way harder to fly. Yeah, it, he kept, yeah, it was, it was bad. Um, <laughs> no judgment. At least you, I think you came fine. out of it unscathed. That, yeah. Mostly. We'll go with that. As long as you're in an open space away from people, we won't tell. Right, we were, at, we were at a model field, so it, it was fine, yeah. Um, Sally, you mentioned uh, sort of regulations. Um, do you deal with FAA... Uh, direct or not directly, but do you deal have any interactions with the FAA or do you deal with lawmaking? Yeah, so I am actually a FAA certified pilot myself. Uh, so in order to fly drones commercially, which basically means you are making money off of your drone in some capacity, whether it's teaching people how to fly or selling photos or whatever, uh, you need to get um, a pilot's license. It's um, it's a certain rating, so it's, it's not a full pilot's license, but it is an unmanned uh, remote pilot's license. Uh, so I recently did that. Uh, I guess it was last year that I ended up getting that, which was really exciting. So now, um, now all drone pilots have to deal with the FAA. Do you think that's a good thing? I mean, obviously you've been in it since people actually had rules, and and my current colleagues are actually working on figuring out how to, you know, legally do this kind of stuff without getting in problem trouble with the FAA and insurance problems and legal things for you know all these sorts of things but do you think that the the regulations and the rules are, are a good step or are we going too far I mean that's a really good question and it's a it's an interesting debate and an interesting line to walk uh, traditionally the aviation community has been very libertarian been very self-regulatory and saying we are going to come up with our own set of rules and we're going to follow these but we don't need the government to to impose these rules which is a very very traditional aviation mindset um, but it's sort of interesting when you put drones into the mix, um, anyone who has a target next to them can buy a drone and, and they're not entrenched in this aviation community. And so then you sort of think, oh, just because someone who has an aviation background says, well, I'll adhere to these standards, that doesn't mean the person who bought their drone at Target is going to also have that same mindset. So 
personally, I think some regulation is is a good thing um, without it being being too much, and it's just finding that balance. So uh, it's kind of interesting you ask this now because um, a bunch of drone companies actually just met with Donald Trump, and uh, as you probably know, Donald Trump is very anti-regulation, and for every um, regulation we add, we need to take away two. Um, and and no matter your thoughts on that. Um, a lot of people in the drone industry feel that adding more regulations has actually helped. So the biggest example of that was the Part 107, which requires you to get a pilot's license. Um, and that was great because it basically gave rules of where you can fly drones. And it said, these places are safe. Here's where you can legally fly. Um, rather than in the past, it was pretty much a blanket. You cannot fly drones for commercial purposes. So often regulations enable us to do more things. And so I think that's what the drone industry really wants is more regulations that define more clearly where we are able to fly. And maybe relax it a little bit for universities. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why you say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I started drones in university, and that program, I kid you not, got shut down um, a month before I graduated. So they, they gave us all the, the graduation, um, and they gave us the credits. But uh, the FAA, that was actually when the FAA pretty much um, shut down all commercial drone operations. And we felt like since we were a university, it wasn't commercial. But the FAA said, since you are you know paying tuition and the professor is collecting a salary, uh, this is a commercial operation, so we were actually not able to continue the class, uh, which is pretty crazy. So uh, they've actually reinstated the class now that uh, the FAA came out with those regulations. Yeah, and university professors are still not allowed to fly them, though, for classes. Yeah, so it the is students true. You can't fly them. I, I can't, no. No. <laughs> really? I had yeah. no idea. So it would be nice to have, you know, some level of regulation saying here's, you know, where you can because it's so crazy how a professor cannot. So, so you mentioned that you, you give a lot of talks um, to, to folks about what you do. What is it that you're talking about? Oh my gosh, all sorts of things. So I think my favorite is just to do drone training um, because then you really are getting people who have no idea what the drone industry is and you get to be that person setting a good example, uh, teaching people the rules um, and, and setting it all out before there are any misconceptions made. Um, and so I'll usually do like a day-long drone training course um, and that's one of my favorite things to do. But I've also done quite a variety of talks um, all around the world. So I've done really interesting stuff. Um, one of the most interesting, I was in Oman in February um, in the Middle East. And uh, I basically gave an overview of American drone laws, which they were very fascinated by because uh, a lot of the countries in the Gulf are currently working on their own hobby drone laws. And it's just fascinating to hear their concerns versus concerns here in America. Um, in in uh, we, I talked to a lot of people from Dubai and then, of course, Oman. And there the big concern is not the drone is annoying and the drone is going to crash on my head, but it's the drone is going to photograph me. And their biggest concern is privacy. 
versus I think in America, the concern seems to be a lot more about safety. So it's just interesting talking to different cultures and seeing, seeing what they're afraid of or what they have questions about. What do you think the next looking forward is going to be? I mean, are we are we going to have our Amazon deliveries dropped off on our roof? Are we going to have just drones flying all over? I mean, you know, nowadays when you look up in the sky, you don't usually see much or you see an airplane really far away and occasionally you hear a helicopter. But like, are we going to start getting used to this being like another level of automated transportation slash, you know, shipping stuff in our skies or is that so far-fetched that that's not realistic yeah you know i have to say when amazon came out with uh their black friday announcement many many years ago that they were gonna have drone delivery in the next i think they said by 2016 or 2017 uh it is 2017 (laughs) and we obviously are not close to that um it sounds nice but there's just so many factors that people have not really considered seriously yet. Um, I think the biggest one is just air traffic control for drones. So NASA is is doing a lot of research on that end um, and how we can have a system of the drones talking to each other, letting them know where they're flying. Um, until that is nailed down, I really do not see Amazon drones delivering anything to my, my condo in San Francisco um, anytime soon. Uh, so I think that is definitely going to be, be really far out, but I mean, I keep seeing drones in more and more places, um, and so many creative use cases too. So drones are increasingly being used for construction, for oil and gas inspections, um, for all these fields and they're, they're fields that you wouldn't necessarily see in your everyday life. Nobody, um, is probably looking at oil fields all day unless you work in that industry but they're there um but I think the thing that excites me is whenever I hear a new creative use so one of my favorites is um how researchers in Kenya found a solution to uh elephants trespassing on farms so in Kenya there are uh they they've added more more and more land devoted to agriculture which is a good thing um but because of that uh elephants are losing their native land and so unfortunately the elephants will come trample on the farmland um and the farmers often have no choice but to shoot the elephants which is obviously really sad um and so what researchers found is that elephants are afraid of bees drones sound like bees And so they can actually give drones to farmers. And when farmers see an elephant coming, they can literally herd it away with the drone, um, which I think is just so great. And so I think the future is not really so much about Amazon deliveries happening next year, but is continually finding more and more use cases. And I have so many stories like that one. um, And it's just like, I never thought of that before and how drones are really, really helping people in whatever field. Um, and, and it's not something that you would necessarily think of or see on an everyday basis. Do you have a favorite drone? A favorite drone? Well, I do have to say probably the cliche option is the DJI Mavic. Um, it just came out um, this year and it folds up to the size of a water bottle um, and it takes 4K video. I have to say the biggest complaint about drones and why I think they are not as widespread as maybe they they were thought to be is they are so cumbersome and they're so annoying to carry around. I wish I took drones on me with vacation, but I'm not interested in checking another bag and I'm too cheap to pay the $25 bag check fee. 
And so I never bring drones with me, but the Mavic, since it's the size of the water bottle, I can just throw it in my purse and and have it with me at all times. So that is like my favorite drone for that reason. Is there, uh, do you have a drone that's uh, coming up? Well, how do I phrase this? Is there a new drone that is sort of nearing the market that you know about that you are anticipating? Ooh, well, I do have to say um, I'm recently intrigued by underwater drones. Uh, these okay. past few years, I have uh, basically only concerned myself with flying drones, but a drone is really anything that can be um, navigated autonomously. And so uh, the next kind of trend that I'm seeing this year is underwater drones. So there's tons of companies, um, Open ROV, Blue Eye, um, and I, a company called Power Vision, uh, theirs is already announced, but um, Blue Eyes and Open ROVs, they are um, taking pre-orders right now. And they have cameras so they can see underwater. Um, so if you're um, you're studying the marine environments or maybe you're just, um, you know, a, a scuba diving company and there's someone on your ship who cannot make it into the water, you can give them a view of the other scuba divers with this underwater drone. Uh, and so I think that's going to be sort of the next trend is these really awesome underwater cameras. So I have a out of, since you guys are both in the drones world all the time and I am not, is this stuff going to be like what we think of our cell phones from 10 years ago? Are we going to look at these things that, that are the cool, hip, most powerful drones out there right now and go and then like five years be like, <laughs> I can't believe we use that. How low tech or how like, you know, out of date. I mean, or is the tech going to totally stay relatively? I mean, I look at my, I have the DJI Phantom 1 and I still keep it in my closet just because I'm too attached to it and can't get rid of it. But I would never fly the Phantom 1 now. So just like I could never use an iPhone 1 other than for jokes. Um, I mean, it's just crazy how outdated a Phantom 1 is. And, and a $100 drone today is equivalent to what the Phantom 1 is. What it, what it was back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's kind of it's this, it's, it's sensor technology, really, and our computing technology is is kind right, of right, which is what you're it. working on, right? Yeah. So we can cut this out because it might get wonky. Um, <laughs> so when you not that we haven't also Sally, when you mentioned you know the the latest ones have great obstacle avoidance and they can just sort of spot a tree. Do you know what kind of sensors they're actually using? Yeah, it's a Nvidia sensor. It's a company that was acquired by Intel. Okay. Um, yeah, because that you know, there's a lot of research going into that area. And I was just really curious about what they were. What Do the you know those are. sensors, Mumu? I don't. What was it called? It's Nvidia, right? Like the oh, Nvidia. Card. Okay. Nvidia. No, no, no. Uh, right? It's Movidius. Is oh, Movidius. Movidius. Okay, I'm looking this up right now. I thought you were saying Nvidia, like the graphics card, and I was like, well, that would make sense. That would make sense, but uh... I'm, you know, <laughs> but no, <laughs> but you are wrong. And I believe they were acquired by Intel. If they weren't, they work very closely with Intel. They were acquired by Intel in September 2016, according to Wikipedia. There we Wikipedia. go. My Look facts that. are straight. Right on. No alternative <laughs> facts here. No. Right. <laughs> but so, Momo, you know, maybe you can help fill in the gaps here for me, who's not a drone person, that the sensor chips or the, is this, this is the hardware, right? So, like, does that change too, or is it just the software that sits on this hardware? It's a combination of both. It's mostly sensor technology and then our ability, computing ability, right? So now we can have 
really tiny computers with you know, however much computing capacity on board right. the drone. So you have yeah. more powerful chips that then you can program to do more things and with less power. Right, in in faster times. In faster. Okay. And, and, you know, that's why, the you know, one of the latest drones to come out was the Spark by DJI, and that one is even smaller. Um, and, and so then you do need, you know, more power in a smaller space. Um, and, and the Spark, the sensor technology on that is fantastic. You can actually um, put your palm out, and it the sensor can track where your palm is, and then you move your palm to the right or left, and the drone will actually fly right or left. Um, in line with your hand, and so so more powerful sensors will allow us to do to do even more. Do companies come to you and say, "Please review our product, and here's a free drone"? Yes, they do. <laughs> we have journalism ethics, as you know. Um, I have to return them, but yeah. no. you can tell you which, are supposed to return them. You can tell which drones I like because I take my dear sweet time in returning them. <laughs> <laughs> if the company gets the drone back in within a day, then it was probably a no-go. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see some stuff that you're like, I don't know why this is worth, this isn't worth my money? Yeah. Or, oh I mean, God, you don't have to name sure. it, but, like, I, I'm just curious whether the market is getting flooded with sort of the cheaper, less effective versions. And, you know, it's not the cheaper ones that make me roll my eyes sometimes. I've seen a lot of companies that – are trying to do something to make themselves stand out from DJI's classic quadcopter style. So the quadcopter is the right. four motors. Um, and so I've seen companies that say say their drone is a kite or they've turned their drone into the shape of an egg. Or <laughs> like I've seen I've seen a lot. I've Why? seen like drones that have a leash like a dog. Um, and it's like these, these marketing gimmicks to, to show why their drone is better. And a lot of times I I hate to be the negative Nancy and rain on the parade of new innovation, but sometimes it's just like, why reinvent the wheel? The DJI drone is already so great. Why are you making it in the shape of an egg is often my question. (laughs) Do you cover, uh, this actually came up in a meeting I had today with some students, but do you cover drone racing at all? I do a bit. I, I it's sort of a interesting community, and it's it's almost more for the video game people. But I would say I dabble in drone racing. Wait, is this like is this as obvious as it sounds? Like you start at the the start and you just fly it as fast as you can to the other end, or is it like obstacle courses? There are all kinds of cool things. There are obstacle courses, um, and then there's also drone freestyle so it's not really a drone race but they're coupled in with the same events uh, where you have to make your drones do flips and you know fly upside down it's called inverted flying um and you get points basically for how how advanced your move is um or how good your drone's choreography (laughs) is it reminds me of ice skating like your drone did i was gonna say it sounds like triple skateboarding competitions or snowboarding dressage for drones yes and then there's another crazy thing that's called drone combat and uh that's often also coupled in with these drone racing competitions where you put two drones in a cage and they actually fight each other so the goal is you get someone else's drone to crash to the ground um and people this is for the great engineering nerds out there people will engineer their drone in a way that it won't crash to the ground so they'll build a circular cage around it or they'll put zip ties dangling from it to knock their opponent out 
And so that to me is like so awesome for the for the builders out there, for the inventors, drone uh, drone combat is the thing for you. I feel like I'm picturing like drones like with Nerf guns sticking off the side <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> are they completely autonomous? So they go in there and then they battle it out or are there people behind there kind of directing yeah those you would have people behind there so for all of the drone racing and the family of drone combat and freestyle uh those are all a person with our fingers on the remote controller i foresee new extra credit opportunities for your students yeah i'm really excited about that (laughs) well so our our university just opened up a netted field uh right across from uh about a mile from campus um so we're envisioning drone racing and lots of other cool things. That sounds- Don't tell them about the combat. You they need to send me a photo of that. Oh, yeah. that. <laughs> like zip ties? That's actually pretty genius. Yeah, the zip ties. Because well, it catches the blade? Yes, that exactly. Why? Oh, that is sneaky. That's, that's, actually, that's like the number one trick in the book. Everybody does the zip ties. Oh. See, I, we, I, had a, this, I had this brilliant thought, but no one thought it was brilliant, to like, to knock another drone out of the sky, you just have a giant wind gun. That, you know I've mean? seen that. I have seen that. <laughs> oh, really? See? You didn't, it was a good idea. I think you're set up for drone racing. You would be, or drone combat. You would be very good at this. I would be very good at it. Mama, this is good. We'll bring Sally out. She will MC the whole event. Actually, I'm in. I love idea. this idea. Excellent. Good. Um, Sally, is there new technology or new things um, that you are excited about I mean we sort of talked about what you're excited about but sort of things coming up in the future I mean definitely I think the sensor technology like Mumu mentioned is is definitely the wave I mean the spark is cool but even that sensor technology is not 100% perfect and so I think we're really going to need that to perfect it Um, And then also on the safety end, um, there's so much more that I think can be done. So um, DJI and a few other companies have started doing geofencing. So um, unfortunately, people who buy drones just don't know where it's unsafe to fly. And so companies are putting um, software in their drones that prevents them from flying in these restricted areas. And so I think we're going to see more safety features like that that basically make it so drone owners can't mess up. Um, the, the companies basically prevent them to do from doing it with software like geofencing. Well, that's DC for you. DC, yeah, exactly. No, I'm stuck in DC. Yeah, that's, I think so, you're probably in uh, that uh, DC range of no-fly zones. Yeah, there's one model field that is just on the border of all the restricted zones and the airport, but it's like if you take off in a certain corner, you can – it's fine but if you take off in the opposite corner you can't so it's it's a it's a little bit of an art form to to get it to take off yeah it sounds very complicated i'm glad i don't live in dc (laughs) um well so that's all the questions that Lindsay and i have sally is there anything that we missed that you would want to bring up no that's great excellent well thank you very much for joining us yeah for sure Hey, you're still here. Thanks for sticking around to the end of the show. Help other people find this podcast by giving us a rating on iTunes. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Scope Podcast. Our theme music was composed by The Copycuts. Cuts.